Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pit and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 97, and we are pleased to have Andy King, the boys' basketball coach at Elkhorn North High School here in Elkhorn, Nebraska, the all-time winningest coach in Elkhorn North history. Of course, we'll get into that reasoning. And also the all-time losingest coach in Elkhorn North history. Yes, correct. Uh, so, uh, but we'll get into that here in a little bit, just for in case those of you that don't know. It's only been open for one year, and that's the reason why that is. So, But hey, you can hold on to that for you, – you can say that, Andy, and not be lying. That, that's a record I can can uh, only be broken. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, before we get to Coach King – uh, we, of course, want to recognize our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACchiro.com or make an appointment with them by calling 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, you're listening, so you're on iTunes, so be sure to download, rate, and review the podcast. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings, and help other coaches hone their craft. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach King, how are things going at your house this Sunday evening? They're going well. I appreciate you having me on. Well, excited to have you on here. Uh like I, I told Andy before we got rolling here, his uh, his former head coach, uh, Coach Lutke, highly recommended him, said he was going to bring the heat, said he was going to be the greatest guest in the history of a pen and a napkin. So, again, no pressure, Andy. You just got to beat out 96 other guests, I guess. Yep, I'll, I'll try not to let Josh down, for sure. <laughs> well, hey... Uh, let's uh let's get going here uh for you know we we traditionally uh start out here uh in this manner for for the folks that don't know about your basketball journey andy uh tell us about your journey in the game and and how you ended up at elkhorn north high school so um i was born and raised in omaha i went to creighton prep and played um under josh lukey actually my uh freshman year was his first year as a head coach so we had been together for a while um after that, I went to school and played basketball at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, played there for five years and then came back to Omaha and started coaching at prep um, with Josh as his assistant. Um, was there from 2011 until um, 2020. And then this past year, uh, decided to make the hop and uh, become the boss and do my mm-hmm. own thing and uh joined Elkhorn North um and uh yeah entering year two now so uh it's been exciting yeah what was the because I'm sure you probably could have moved on from prep before the Elkhorn North gig uh opened up what was what made Elkhorn North different than maybe some other opportunities that you may have looked at before yeah so I always felt like I always felt like my my job at prep I always felt like I was I was in such a good spot that for in order for me to leave, I just felt like it had to be a, a, a perfect fit. Um, I felt like I was, you know, as an assistant coach at prep under Josh, we had a really good thing going. Um, I never wanted to leave just to become a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to become a head coach, but I didn't want to, 
I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I ended up in a position that I felt like I could be successful in and something that was a good fit for me. Um, and you know, we got, when Elkhorn North came around, um, obviously naturally a, a brand new school and a brand new head coach seemed like a, a good fit. Um, I felt like, I felt like the type of kids, um, that I would be able to coach there and start a program with, um, were somewhat similar kids to what I had been around at prep. Um, and I just felt like it was the right time. Um, mm-hmm. I love creating prep. It was super comfortable for me. I just was ready for a challenge and I felt like it was, it was the right time. Gotcha. Um, you know, what, what were the, the, you know, one, two, three, however number, uh, uh there was, uh, Andy, uh, of the influences that, that coach Lutke has had on your career, that, that Creighton prep has had on your career. Um, you know, just, just how have you, you know, how has that just shaped you as much as it probably has? I mean, it's, I can talk about how much it shaped me and it probably has shaped me even more than I probably even, uh, could even express in words um Mm -hmm. obviously i've been at prep i went um 2002 to 2006 was when i was there so i've essentially been around prep and brown josh for for 20 years Mm -hmm. um as a player coach as co-coaches as friends um so i mean 20 20 years of my 34 years of life have been prep basketball so Mm -hmm. um a lot. I mean, the, the school and what Josh created when I was there playing, what I was able to help him create um, when I came back, um, this is something I'm super proud of. And, um, you know, it kind of, as I was in college, I was able to come back in the summers and sort of coach a summer league team for Josh or mm-hmm. coach like an incoming freshman team or just kind of be around. And that sort of, I always had an itch for coaching. Um, and I would say my college uh, coach definitely was a big influence on me wanting to coach as well. But Josh giving me that opportunity in the summers and those types of things to be around and kind of get my foot in the door. Um, it just sort of started my uh, path. And obviously coming back, we had some um, really good success over my time at prep with some good teams and won a couple state titles. And that just kept my my drive going to always want to be better and, and eventually led me to say, you know, I want to try this on my own. What were, you know, what were the the qualities of your college coach that kind of drew that out of you as well? So I played for Jimmy Tillett, who, if you if you head down south, um, he's he's very uh, very well known and very well respected. Um, as I talked to, I, I coach AAU as well. So as I talk to college coaches and they kind of ask like, so tell me about your background. When I tell them I play for Jimmy Tillett, they're always kind of like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I've talked to Jimmy about offense and all these things. Like he's just a very, uh, well-regarded name in the college basketball world. Um, he's by far the smartest basketball mind I've ever known in my entire life. Um, just offensive things and just all there's so much from him that I learned. Um, he was a huge history, um, history buff. He actually taught it in high school and things like that. So he's um, a pretty cool guy. Like the rest of yeah, us history teachers. Yeah, I got you. The, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The history lessons he tried to teach us before practice went above our heads half the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he was brilliant. Um, and he just taught me so much, uh, basketball wise, um, that, definitely in college i was like this is something that i would love to do mm-hmm. so what was a sample history lesson because as a history dork i gotta know now 
Oh gosh, man. I, it's, it seems like every day before practice when we're huddled up around the circle, he's talking about some war general and what, and it all had a relation back to basketball and all mm-hmm. these, you know, like being great teammates and all these things. But it's, I mean, I, I can't hardly remember what I did yesterday and let alone he knows all these quotes and generals and it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, us, us history nerds, we like our quotes. We like our generals. Yes. We like studying the battlefields and, and the military leaders and that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, I can, I can relate to it. I can. Yes, relate. you can. Yeah. You, you would, you would enjoy his company. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, as you as you took over at Elkhorn North, I'm sure you kind of went in with with a plan of some sorts. Um, what were one, two, three things that you wanted to take from prep and bring to Elkhorn North as you're literally building this program from scratch? You know, I think the I think the two main things. Um, the way beyond like X's and O's was I think something that. Uh, Josh does a great job of is uh, getting kids to buy in um, not only to just being a part of prep basketball but like buying into their role and understanding um, that everybody has a has a place and a purpose um, on being in this team so uh, I wanted kids to buy in I wanted Elkhorn North basketball to I knew it was gonna I know it's gonna take some time but I wanted it to be something that's that's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. and kids, kids and the younger kids are growing up saying like, I want to, like, I want to go to games and I want to, I want to play for that team. Um, because that's what it was like for me at prep. I remember going to games when I was a little kid, like I can't wait to play, um, in this gym for this school someday. So that's, that was one thing I'm trying to build is it just, I want this to be a big deal and have it be uh, meaningful. Um, and then I think the next thing was, you know, obviously I didn't know any of the kids I was going to get. Um, prior to getting the job, but really building a culture of getting kids that are quality kids. Uh, I mean, we can teach kids at basketball. I can teach them the system and all those good things, but getting kids that, that like each other, that like, um, being around their teammates that are quality kids off, off the court in the classroom. Um, I think we were pretty lucky with that at prep over my 10 years, um, helping Josh. And that's something that I definitely, uh, wanted to bring to Elkhorn North because I just think it makes it makes the whole pro, whole program a much better a much better uh, a much better overall system to to be around. So you're going from one of the oldest high schools in the state of Nebraska because when did prep open? It was like in the 1880s, yeah, or something like that, seventy eight, something around yeah, that time. So, uh, and literally founded as a prep school for Creighton University, right, right. Um, to literally a school that's starting from scratch. So you go from one of the longest traditions in the state to no tradition. But kind of you had to be thinking, we get to invent the traditions. And that's kind of a cool thing to to get started out with. Absolutely. I mean, any coach who's kind of taking over a program at any anywhere, um, you're kind of starting from essentially ground zero. So I figured if, I'm a, if this is going to be my first rodeo, we might as well start from literally ground zero. <laughs> Um, and build it up ourselves, and um, and it's been fine. I mean, it's been a ton of work. I mean, it wasn't ideal that COVID happened when this all mm-hmm. went down, um, but in the, in a way, everybody obviously had to take a step back and weren't allowed to do things in the summer and that kind of thing. But in a way, it allowed me um, 
it was almost beneficial because it allowed me to not worry as much about the basketball part of it because we couldn't get in the gym anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but more like, okay, here's the kids that I need to start building relationships with and uh, doing Zoom calls with and all those things. And it allowed me to maybe push the basketball part off a little bit because I was like, we, we can work on that. We just, it, I think it was helpful to be able to sort of sit back, meet the kids, even though it was like via Zoom and those types of things. But once, even once we got on the court without using basketballs, like conditioning and weightlifting, like it was mostly just, it was more uh, us and the kids getting to know each other, building those relationships, which as a first year guy in a first year school, uh, I think was super uh, impactful for sure. What, you know, you're, again, you're, you're moving into a building that's literally just opening. Uh, what were, you, you knew you were going to have to do a lot of things, uh, from scratch. What were, what were one or two things that you were like, wow, boy, I knew I was gonna have to do some, some stuff, but that one, that one really caught me off guard, uh, uh, building it from scratch, you know, just, was it like, oh yeah, we have to worry about blank that I didn't even think about that I'd have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, like we, we had to. I mean, just it was in a way it's cool, but I mean, we had to order everything. I mean, we had we had nothing. We had to order. I mean, anything you could think of that a basketball program uses needs. Like it was like we had to order it. Um, one thing that was kind of not funny at the time, but now it's kind of funny, <laughs> is when we ordered our we ordered our jerseys. Um, there was actually a mix up, and we were short. I think um, I. We were short basically half of what we needed. So our freshman and JV guys had to like share jerseys um, for the first like two months of the season until the new ones came. Um, So we were literally like freshman play, taking them, washing them. Like luckily my AD Luke Ford stood up and did a great job doing laundry. (laughs) I had to do it a few times. Um, But things like that, like that was my screw up. Like I didn't order. I thought I ordered enough jerseys and I didn't. So we had to share and do the laundry uh, in the meantime. So, I mean, literally, I mean, our school opened, I think the final inspection opened like the day before students got there last year. So everything was brand new. We're just trying to throw it all together. Um, But it, you know, it was fun though at the same time. Uh yeah, I'm just trying to think of of those guys sharing jerseys and and the, yeah. the, the swapping around and uh, that yeah, that had to be that had to be a bit chaotic. I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't really like to do laundry at home, let alone <laughs> someone else's laundry. So, um, what you, you know when you prepare to to be a head coach, you have an idea and you know it's going to be different. One of the things that I like to ask uh, young head coaches is what were some things that happened just from a purely coaching point of view that maybe you did not anticipate or uh, underestimated that that slide over of 18 inches that you you knew you were going to have to do it, but it was a lot bigger deal than what you thought, or I never realized Lukey was doing this or whatever it may be. What were some of the unexpected challenges of, of sliding over from being an assistant coach to a head coach? You know, I think the the biggest, and it's it's not a it's not a bad. It's, I mean, it's a fun it's a fun part of it, and it's obviously um, 
it comes sec it sort of obviously comes second nature as you get used to it. Mm-hmm. But I think just the planning, um, it's like as an assistant, it's like the head coach is planning practice every day and you're giving your insights and here's what we need to work on and we need to do this and et cetera. But I mean, as the head coach, it's like every day, every workout, every practice, it's like you're putting the practice plan, trying to get it, figuring out what you need to get better at and putting a practice plan to get ready for an opponent opponent. Um, I just feel like as a head coach, as an assistant, it, you, that stuff kind of gets pushed off, obviously, to the head coach, and you just kind of are the second guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a head coach, it's like it's an every everyday thing. It's like it's always on your mind. You're always trying to think about what can we do today to get better. Um, so just this, the everyday, every hour planning of uh, of practice. Um, trying to build in when can we lift this week and what time's the bus going to leave. It's just all these extra things that honestly sometimes don't even get involved in the basketball part. Um, those are the things I think feel like you're not really ready. I mean, you don't really know what to do until you do it as a first time head coach. Like you yeah. can't really prepare for it as assistant. Um, but once you get through year one now, Especially being in a new district like Elkhorn, it's like Elkhorn has a certain way of doing things. Prep has a certain way of doing things. Yes. Um, so just kind of navigating all of that, I think, was probably the, the toughest uh, mentally straining part of all of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody ends up in the same place because the bus is going to leave at mm-hmm. X time for the for the game at, at Y destination. But how you get to that point, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many different ways there are to reserve a bus or or something like that. Exactly. And just the way it was, like at prep, like we don't take buses to games. Like the kids drive themselves. And just like we don't have girls volleyball after school to practice. And we got to win. When are we going to have our workouts? And we're going to go in the morning. And just things like that that obviously I wasn't used to. but, um, But it's been good. Yeah. Awesome. Great. A pen and napkin university is offering you, our listeners, a great opportunity to learn more about the coaching, about coaching above and beyond the a pen and a napkin universe. In our video series detailing personal growth and development, you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job, basketball analytics, and fundraising and social media. Go to a pen and a napkin.com and follow the links to order. Videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the bundle for $50. That's less than $8 a video. We also have our defensive series available. Those videos are $10 a piece. There's three of them there, full-court defense, transition defense, half-court defense. Or you can get the three-video bundle for $25. Check out the A Pen and a Napkin University Video Library. So, Andy, you're going into this deal, and the way that Elkhorn did this when Elkhorn split off into Elkhorn South, and now it's Elkhorn North, um, is you had three classes, uh, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, and no seniors. So you knew going into this that you were going to have no seniors, but you were going to play varsity basketball right away. Correct. How did you approach the first year when you're thinking about building the program? Or was it more kind of like, this is more going to be like a two-year project instead of just this one individual team for this year? I was definitely looking at it more so as big picture as a two-year project just because obviously as you said I knew we'd get everybody back here too um so that definitely was in my mind in terms of like what we were putting in last year um and those types of things I didn't I wasn't I wasn't going to try to put 
A through Z in last year, especially with the weird off season of, with uh, COVID and all that getting yeah. started late. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to try to push all of that um, for the sake of ruining uh, like how it's supposed to be done, like naturally. Um, I want our guys to first of all become better basketball players. And then as we slowly start to put our style of play in, um, now as you know, we get through how we want to play in year one. Um, and now we can start to add on and add on in year two, which is something that we've done a lot this off season. So, I mean, I didn't, it's, I don't want to say it was a two year deal. Like last year didn't matter, but yeah. I mean, we had goals for last year. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal was to obviously make the state tournament, but we wanted to, get to a district final to give ourselves a chance to make the state tournament, which we did. Um, so now obviously we're trying to get beyond that this, this year too, um, which now requires us to sort of evolve more. And it was nice to be able to get through that first year. Now we can take a big step back and say, okay, we know who we have. Um, is there anybody else, any of the younger kids that are they ready? How else can we, you know, push beyond what we did last year uh, to try to get our goal of playing in March in Lincoln? Yeah. So yeah, that kind of brings me. That, that was a really nice segue, Andy. You, you know, you, are, are you looking over my shoulder here, and I don't know yeah. it? Uh, I'm trying to do my own podcast. Today. <laughs> well, you're. Yeah, I feel like I got a, a, a spy in my a pen and a napkin studios here. So, uh, but yeah, you know, what are some things that that you've identified from from year one uh, going into year two? I.e. Uh, this is what we did year one. Uh, I like this. I like this. I didn't like this. I think we need to do this better. What are the two or three areas that you guys really concentrated on in the off season to help make things better? Maybe you subtracted something out and you decided to add something new. Uh, just you know, what is that uh, flow chart in the progression of your program? What's that looking like right now? So this off season, especially, uh, I wanted us to continue i thought we took a pretty good jump just from where we were last our first time together in june july whenever we were able to start in our skill work um i the way we the way we want them to play we need guys for the more the better five guys if possible to be able to all pass shoot and dribble um so we, we did a ton of shooting um, this off season. That was a huge uh, goal. Look, I mean, I I think we have some good shooters. We had some good shooters last season in year one, um, but becoming more well rounded as a shooting team um, will only help the way we like to play. So skill work was a huge priority this year. Um, looking back at last year, um, going with that, our strength and conditioning was a huge thing. Um, I felt like we just needed to become more athletic and stronger. Um, and with that, I felt like if we become stronger, like that's great. Some of that kind of comes naturally with high school kids as they Mm -hmm. grow and kind of go in their own, uh, go at their own pace. Um, but as we got better, better physically and, uh, became stronger players. I knew that was, I knew what uh, positive positivity that would do for us mentally. Um, just us working our butts off in the weight room. Um, I knew it was going to give us an edge mentally this, uh, 
this offseason us become more confident um they've played a year of varsity now let's get your bodies to look more like a varsity basketball player um which as i said second nature makes you a more confident player which is a huge thing that we talk about all the time Mm -hmm. so those were two big keys for this offseason but in terms of like as a team uh we our big thing is we we want to play fast um which i know everyone in the world kind of says that but uh, we do it every day and, and how we practice is all about playing as fast as we can under control. Um, so that's really what we wanted to establish last year as a staff was we need these guys to learn how to play fast. Um, we knew we were going to make mistakes. Um, our skill level, as I said last year, wasn't where it needed to be. Um, so we knew like turnovers. We knew this, that there was going to be games where like it was going to look ugly. And mm-hmm. We were going to turn the ball over 20 times. But as I kind of mentioned with like building and establishing our style in terms of our pace was something that I wasn't willing to like try to get a win in year one, um, as opposed to it establishing it better in our culture for long term, if that makes sense. Yep. Nope. Nope. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to win today to lose tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. That's and I told those guys day one. I'm like, we're gonna do this the right way. We're not gonna take shortcuts. Um, you know, if it's if that costs us a little in year one, that's okay because it's gonna help us in year two and beyond. Um, so we really wanted to establish our playing style of trying to play as fast as we can. Um, and I feel like we got a lot better at that as the season went on. Um, and then looking into next year, it's this upcoming year in a, in a month or so. Um, there are some tweaks obviously we're going to make we you know i feel like we want to press a little bit more defensively to help us um get easier looks offensively um things like that i think as i kind of mentioned it's is the next step in year two where we're trying to get to mm-hmm. uh what are what are some things that you guys did in the off season to to emphasize that skill work uh how did you put that together I, i'm assuming you've got multi-sport athletes that are that are doing you know football workouts or baseball stuff or whatever it may be uh so so how did you guys work that out so we definitely have with the crew that i in terms of like the top varsity guys uh we have a few we have quite a few baseball guys um but great news is they they're coach dunn at elkhorn north he's phenomenal at letting guys come to come to basketball in the summer um, so we had guys in our morning workouts all the time. Um, we had guys on the Monday night varsity league able to play in games to get game reps and start building the camaraderie as a team. Um, but we do it, as I mentioned, we did a ton of shooting. Um, we do a ton of like offensive breakdown things and like groups of three. Um, we've done a lot of that this fall. Um, the good news is maybe not good news, but the reality, we don't have that many football players in our top, top group. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been able to have basically the main, the top seven guys of minutes last year have been around all fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've tried to break things down a lot, um, this fall in terms of our workouts. Um, cause as I said, we're starting where I want to get beyond just playing in transition and sort of now it's like, okay, once we play in transition, what's the next step in the half court offense. And that's what we're trying to build on right now. Um, and it's come a long ways this fall. So that's kind of our goal as we get closer to the season. Mm-hmm. You've also done quite a bit of coaching, uh, at the AAU level with, with OSA. Um, yep. how do you think that has, uh, helped you when it comes to your, 
high school program and coaching your high school team, but what are also maybe uh, perhaps some ways that AAU kind of hurts high school program building? Yeah, so I always, it was always a huge benefit for me to be able to coach um, an AAU team because I was always an assistant coach. So I always took those springs and summers as a chance to like, okay, now I get my own team right now. So it's like, let's, let's, let's pretend and let's pretend this is a high school team and sort of do, let's see what the things that I want to, that are important to me and the style that I want to play. So I always treated it as like my own quote unquote varsity team, uh-huh. um, which was which, always fun. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to look at it though. I think, I think exactly. that's a, uh, that's an awesome uh, attitude to have going into that situation that you, that that's the way that you used it. So, yep. Um, so I, the great thing about AAU, the way at least I do it is I do a lot of what I do with my high school kids with AAU because I like to experiment and I like to try different things. Um, and I feel like that's a great time to do it. Um, I mean, to me, the whole point of AU is for those kids to become better players and to get recruited. So, you know, the type of offense we run and those that's that's sort of my time to experiment with things that I'm looking at and um, that I see teams doing and that I think could fit with my guys. Um, Then we try to implement that with, you know, obviously coaching one of the best AU teams in the in the state or the Midwest. So the players are really, really good. So um, it's a great time to sort of play around with things. Um, so I think that's a, that's a benefit for me coaching AAU. Um, but yeah, I, I've always kind of said like, once I was a head coach, it's probably, I'm not sure if I really want to coach AAU anymore because I don't want to take away time from my Elkhorn North kids. Um, so that's that, I think that's the, the downfall of it is, um, just making sure that the focus always stays on my high school kids because that's obviously what's important mostly mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, in the end of the day and same with the kids. I mean, I, I love that the kids play AU. I love that kids want to play basketball year round, um, in the spring and the summer, they have, you know, an opportunity to get recruited and work on their games. Um, especially if they're good varsity players. Um, but understanding that that's, it's a totally different mindset than when we come together in November and it's time to go uh, hang a banner and win a state title. It's just, it's, it's, it's way different. The games are way different. Um, AU is great. Um, but you got to be able to find the balance of making sure, you know, that high school, high school is a different, there's things you do in AU that you can't get away with when you play high school basketball. Yeah. And I think sometimes I, I think that uh, one of the things that makes it tough uh, for high school coaches when it comes to AAU, I think it's great that there's so many opportunities out there, but sometimes we get caught in a situation where, you know, well, my AAU coach told me, you know, this, and it's like, well, yeah, like, and you kind of referred to it. Yeah, but that, that you can't do that on Absolutely. December 15th when, you know, uh, you know, Elkhorn South has watched three films on us that's yeah. that's not going to work and you, you you know it's just not fitting there uh is that is that kind of something you guys have ran into over the years from time to time yeah i think i mean it's it's au basketball has changed so much from even even when i played which i like to think it wasn't that long ago um but even in the early 2000s like 
there was like two teams to play for and that was it. Like mm-hmm. you had to go here or there and you had tryouts and like 10 guys made it here and 10 guys made it there and that was it. And if you didn't make it, it's like you better find something else to do. And now, as we all know, there's, there's team, there's a million different teams and a million different levels within each of those age groups, um, which is a, could be a good thing. I mean, it's great to have more kids playing basketball, but sometimes it does become a conflict of interest. And um, yeah, I know that, your AAU team did this, but you know, this is, this is your high school team and things are, things are done a little bit differently. So yeah. I think one of the best benefits, and, and I don't know how you feel about this coach. Um, I think one of the best benefits that you can have from AAU coaching is the in-game adjustments that it forces you to really think on your feet because obviously your, your scouting report is watching the other guys warm up for five minutes, usually. Um, and, and it forces you to, when you only get two or three timeouts a game, and you got to talk to guys on the bench, that it, it forces you to be really succinct with your, with your communication, to be really clear, because they're just worried about keeping the next game on the hour, every hour, uh, throughout the day. And, and so you've got you've to really lock in uh especially when you get into a competitive situation i think that forces you to uh to just coach the game differently than you would a high school game which then will help you with your high school game uh did you notice yeah. that as you, as you slid into the head coaching position oh uh, yes absolutely it's it's as you mentioned AU. there's obviously zero scouting i mean you you don't know it half the time the other team who you're playing any of the kids it could be a team from another state um so it's it really the good thing about AU is you can only, at least I try to only only try to be really good at about three or four things, and mm-hmm. then from there we can adjust in game, um, and hopefully you pick kids on your team that are super coachable because you're going to have to coach, as you said, in the middle of the games and make adjustments. Um, but AU is definitely not the time to to try to do too much. Um, that's not going to work. You don't have enough time to work on it. You practice like once a week. Um, so that's definitely a huge adjustment compared to high school when you get a whole week to essentially prepare for an opponent and, and make tweaks and do things that you want to do. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Andy, we're going to take a we're going to take a pivot at this time. Uh, it's time for our Don Meyer quote of the day. The goat, Don Meyer. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, feel free to uh, feel free to comment on this as I, after I rattle this one off here. So, are you ready, sir, for the Don Meyer quote of the day? Let's hear it. All right. The Don Meyer quote of the day is, recognize and reward the players that put the team first, not just the gifted players. And I think that's, you know, building a culture, making sure everybody's involved. Everybody has a role, 1 through 12, 1 through 13, however many kids got a varsity uniform, how many ever many kids got a JV uniform, but everybody has to put the team first. Absolutely. I'm going to give a shout out to a, a Jesuit priest at Creighton Prep named Father Kevin Schneider. Uh, he's helped with basketball for many years. Uh, he always is telling the kids that everybody on the team plays the entire game. Some play on the court, some play on the bench. Um, so that mindset of everybody has a role, everybody is important. Whether you're a starter, whether you're the 12th or 15th guy who um, better practice your butt off in order to get those guys ready. Um, the more buy-in a coach can get from his team, and, and that exact uh, quote is is the difference between success and not, in my opinion. 
Hold on a second. I got to write down that quote real quick. I really <laughs> like that one. So I'm stealing that one from Father, yep. is it Father Schneider. Yep. Said? Father Schneider, yep. Okay. Shout out. All right. Uh, almost done here. Um, okay. I got it now. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I really like that. That's a great way to, to, to get your team bought in and mm-hmm. uh, emphasize that everybody has to be involved with it. Great. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, Father Schneider, for that one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, uh, you know, you, you're talking about playing it, you know, it sounds like you guys like to play with the, uh, with the buzzwords, uh, pace and space, uh, there <laughs> in Elkhorn North. Um, what are some things that, uh, you have seen in the, the college or the pro game that you're trying to bring to Elkhorn North that you're trying to, uh, adapt uh, and and have your kids do to I- increase the pace even further than what you played at last year, which judging by your scores, you guys are playing at a pretty decent pace last year as well. So, yeah, I I think for like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's it's got to be a, a daily thing. I think um, as you mentioned, they're definitely the buzzwords in the world. Everyone wants to play like the the Warriors and space people out and bomb threes, but um, it's got to be something that you that you reach every single day in terms of playing with pace and at the same time it's got to be something that you're comfortable with where sometimes you know it gets out of control and it sometimes there's less control with a coach um, when you play that way Um, but if you practice it enough and practice it the right way um, I think getting kids in space um, to make decisions on when to drive when to kick um, finishing at the rim and being able to hit and knock down open threes and get to the free throw line um, I just think that's that's the way I like to watch, um, and I just think it fits our kids at Elkhorn North um, with the way that their skill sets are, and in terms of our size, like if we you know, if we had a six ten center, we would probably change some things and we would feed that ball down low, um, but we don't have that, so um, we like to space people out as much as possible. Um, which again goes back to that skill work that we always try to work on because it makes it makes us a lot better when guys um, can all shoot the ball. Um, mm-hmm. In all honesty, um, but I love the NBA. I watch the NBA every night. It's on my TV right now, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, you're watching so, exhibition basketball? Oh yeah, you I'm, have I'm got problems nerd. if you're watching yep. exhibition basketball. Yeah, you know? I am. Um, <laughs> but just yeah, in terms of, obviously, NBA has enormously. Um, different rules than high school basketball but just the way they create space um and their durable handoffs and all their all the things that they do are things that um we like to do at elkhorn north because i feel like we we can do them in transition um they're not quote-unquote set plays which is not something we like to really do we like to have quick actions in transition that then flow into other types of actions um, so we don't have to stop and call set plays. We like to play and try to create as many two on one, three on two, four on three advantages that we can. Mm-hmm. And the NBA does, I mean, those guys are obviously incredible players, but, um, schematically they do some really, really nice things that I think obviously you're seeing trickle down into the college game and, and now somewhat into the high school game. Who are, uh, some of the, the coaches, whether it's the collegiate level or the professional level that you kind of look at. And again, you can't replicate the athleticism, you know, right. top to bottom, even with a college team, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're Millard North or something like that last year. Right. You know? uh, but, um, you know, what, uh, uh, yeah, who, who, who are some guys that maybe you kind of study in particular? So I, I'm the, the, 
biggest LeBron fan you'll ever want to meet. But uh, besides the Lakers, they're fun to watch because I like to watch LeBron. But in terms of like me, like finding things that I like and it's like, oh, look at this action they ran. Um, I like I think the three teams that, that do the, the best for me um, are the Utah Jazz. Um, I like the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Miami Heat, I think, do a lot of really good things with their shooters. So uh, those are kind of the three teams that I watch a lot of, um, not for a, a cheering interest, but just pure for a, um, I like what they run. Yeah, yeah. And those are, uh, as, as you know, I, I, the last couple of summers, I watched a lot of Milwaukee and Miami stuff mm-hmm. and just seeing that action and movement. And, you know, most teams at the high school level are not going to have that dominant big man on the block. Exactly. And and so I think those are good actions to look at. And again, adapt um, to the talent level that you have and what your kids can do. But you can take that and water it down to to fit your kids. You know, if if you teach it well enough, and it's up to you to teach exactly. It. Yeah. And I think collegiately, I'm. I'm a gigantic Fred Hoiberg fan. Um, I love what he's running at Nebraska. Um, so we uh, take a lot of that stuff in transition as well. Um, and then I know we kind of talked earlier, like what the next sort of phase into year two. Um, and I always think when, like when people talk five out offense, people seem like, like no one posts up and like, that's obviously not true at all. Like you can still post up a lot. And I think that's something that as we get into year two, we're going to post up guys within our five out a lot more, um, including our five man and more so including our guards. I think we have some guards that would be great post up players within what we do. And I think uh, guards guarding guards in the post is a big mismatch mm-hmm. um, so that's something that we've been working a lot on this offseason yeah if you can have a guard that you can isolate in the block area at the high school level that's really really hard to guard uh whether whether it's a a, a boys game or a girls game um, that's just something that um that's like when chip kelly comes out with the spread offense and everybody's like oh what do we how do we guard that you know like you said, guards are not used to defending down there in the post area, and absolutely, and the, and it changes the double team angles and and everything. And so, if you've got a guard that can post up and you can run two or three sets to get them the ball down on the block, I think that's 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 great stuff. Yep, and if and like as I was saying earlier, if you have if you have five guys on the floor, specifically your quote-unquote five-man who can shoot the ball, not only does it put guards in the post who aren't comfortable, but then it puts the five man defender on the perimeter which is not what they're comfortable uh so i think it creates a a definitely a double mismatch and a a big advantage Mm -hmm. so you're talking about this offensive transition and and doing that daily in practice uh how do you set up your practice to to emphasize this to ensure that you're going to emphasize that pace playing in transition what do you guys do there at Elkhorn North uh to 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 build this system that you did last year and then and then what maybe you're going to add to it here uh next season specifically what do you got planned for your practices so last year was was a, a big emphasis last year was on our spacing um I mean day one it's literally like we want guys here and here and like marking x's or these dots we like to put on the floor i mean that was kind of where we had to start because it was from scratch Uh um and then as we got comfortable with spacing then it's okay now let's push the pace faster um and then into this like summer when we had our team camp in uh june um doing things like 
a drill where we start two on one offense two on one and then make or miss we bring on two more and then it's three on two and then it's four on three and then we finish five on four um so we're always creating an advantage and then within that drill we give them i know we don't have one yet hopefully someday knock on wood but we give them a shot clock um uh-huh. So as, as, you know, as we have the ball three on two or four on three, we give them an eight, seven or eight second shot clock every time. So it's, it's about making quick decisions and getting the first best shot that we can get. Mm-hmm. I like that first best shot. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I tell them. I'm, we don't, we don't always want to just take the first shot. We don't always want to wait because you could pass up our best shot. So let's take the first best shot. And for a while that, that that gets ugly as we as you try to coach that um but eventually guys as they figure out the spacing and they become better players and their skill level kind of improves then they they start to get to to the area where they know they can get good looks and transition and where the ball needs to go so it as i said as as a coach you kind of give up a little control when you let them play this way Um, but as it takes time and it gets um, a little less chaotic and a little more organized, but still has the same pace. Um, then it, then it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much of your practice is getting up and down in some way, shape or form? Let's say you're going to average two hour practice out of those 120 minutes. How much of that is getting up and down in some way, shape or form? I would say of 120 minutes, I would say at least 60 um, is some type of, not even necessarily five on five, as I was kind of mentioning on some of these other drills, um, but it's some type of when, we, when we're going live, we're going not just half court, we're going up and down the floor um, at least two to three possessions, if not longer, before we stop them. Um, we're trying to build our conditioning. We're trying to build our decision making. So we're not going to stop them every trip down the court and coach um we're gonna make them make decisions on their own and and learn to to make mistakes and then learn how to improve from those mistakes so i would say at least half of the practices and then uh, we do a ton of shooting within a practice and then obviously at some point we need to do a little defense as well yeah um how do you guys uh how do you i'm trying to figure out how to say this uh you know your kids are going to make mistakes but you can only make so many mistakes, but you don't, you want to play with that pace and you've, you've got to allow for mistakes. But again, there's only so many mistakes that you can make. So, so how do you mentally, uh, go into that as a coach and, and how do you, how do you teach the difference between good mistakes and bad mistakes? Because I think so, there's a difference. I think there's a difference between that's a that's a good mistake. We'll live with that one. Uh, that's not a good mistake. Yeah. Absolutely, and it takes time and it takes some experience. Which um, obviously, going into last year, we had guys that we had maybe one guy, maybe two that had ever played in a varsity game before. So um, we were going to have we were going to have some fork, some, you know, some trips along the way, um, regardless of the style we played. So. Um, I think as guys learn how to play with pace and play fast, um, they start to learn that that doesn't mean out of control. And rather than going 10 out of 10, we can still play with pace by going seven or eight out of 10. 
Um, and as long as we're doing that every possession, make or miss, if we're still pushing that pace, not walking the ball up the floor, not even necessarily jogging, but having a little sense of urgency, um, that's when I think you see the mistakes go from, you know, every other possession to now as we take we're still going fast but we take just a slight hesitation on it and now all of a sudden we can start reading situations rather than um, making mistakes sorry i started to giggle there because you said you know instead of, i'm going fast the, the for some reason it popped into my head the ricky bobby you know i'm ricky going bobby, fast exactly. mama. you know yep, that's that's exactly we, we use that quote a lot actually <laughs> if, if you ain't first you're last so exactly there you go <laughs> um sorry uh uh pace factor uh one of the things <laughs> that you that you sent me was uh pace factor uh in elkhorn north vernacular what is pace factor and how do you figure that out so uh... As you kind of mentioned being a history buff, I'm a math nerd. That's what I teach from 8 to 3 every day. Well, um, not all of us can be as cool as the history guys, so I understand. Yeah, I, I mean, get it. You know, I yeah. get it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big math nerd. The analytic part of basketball is super fascinating and fun to me. Um, so, again, kind of like everyone likes to play fast, but a way that, I mean, I like to every game look at it and see how fast did we play and how successful were we. Were we playing too fast? Were we not playing fast enough? Those types of things. So the pace factor is just some math equation that just, like takes our number of possessions, takes the other team's number of possessions, um, messes around with the total minutes in the game, and then gives me a number for the pace factor for that game. So um, then I can – obviously, I was collecting data all year one just to kind of see – um, and then obviously now having an off season, I can I was able to look at all that data and kind of make some conclusions on when our pace factor was this number or higher, like this is how successful we were. Or mm-hmm. Sometimes that's when it was too high, um, those types of things. So like I wrote down a few, like when our pace factor was above 65, uh, we were six and three. When our pace factor was below 55, we were one in five. Uh-huh. Um, so there's like a nice number to kind of get it up to. And then even going further, when our pace factor for a game was above 72, we were four and one. Um, so right there, it gives me a number that this is our goal every game. Um, and a big thing is we always are calculating our number of possessions um, every game. And then I take those and I divided our points by that number to see sort of our offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this is all just math nerd to figure out what is the optimal number of possessions that we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to play too many. We don't want to play too less. Like we always want to hit that sweet spot if we can. So it sounds like somewhere around 70 is, is where you guys would kind of like to be at. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was it definitely at last year. Um, the games where we really, push the pace um there was a few a couple where um i think only one where pushing the pace we were too fast um but you know when the when the pace was above 65 um using that formula um i mean we were 10 and 10 and 3 so um it, for us last year it, it can get ugly at times being too fast but uh, the math was saying the faster the better in terms of wins. So um, that's something that we'll definitely try to push um, and clean up and try to be more efficient offensively while still playing fast. And then how can we maybe even 
flip it defensively and now pick the pace up defensively and can we trap more can we press more um to try to keep that number above 65 and that's got to help you sell all of this to the kids it's it's an it's an awesome selling point that you can say hey when we're here guys this is how successful we are so yeah you might only be playing uh 14 minutes total instead if we played at a slower pace you maybe play 20 minutes uh but we want you to play really hard for those 14 minutes and here's what we're going to get out of it and here's what you're going to get out of it and here's what the team's going to get out of it and that's why we need you to go really really hard for three minutes instead of pacing yourself for five minutes is that part of the sell job too andy yes and i'm so glad you brought that up that's a huge part of it especially this year uh we didn't feel like we tried to play with big pace on offense. Defensively, we pressed sometimes, but we didn't feel like we could as much because of our depth um, in year one. So a big thing this year was being able to f- not just play six to seven guys, but more like eight or nine guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm, our, we, have, we have a couple of really, really nice players who, you know, they play upper 20, 30 minutes a game last year. But a big message is can you sacrifice a few minutes um, in order for us to have better depth, which is going to help us play our style. And I think will help us a lot as we get into January, February and sort of the end of the grind of the season. Um, Cause we can't play the way we want to play with playing six guys. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, I had a question and then it popped out of my head. So it must not have been that good a question. Um, so when you're flowing here, what are some of the actions that you like to run? Like you said, you, you've, you've copied a lot of what coach, coach Hoiberg does, uh, at Nebraska. Uh, you guys run like a lot of that double drag action that Fred runs, uh, yes. some of that pin down type of thing. What do you, what do you guys do? Yeah. So we run a ton of drag screens, whether it's a single drag with our five man who's taking the ball out and running that right down the middle of the floor. Um, we set a ton of, of double drags, um, we have a, our four man. If your four man is somebody who can shoot the ball well in your five out system, uh, double drags are very, very hard to guard, mm-hmm. um, which we have one of those, um, in, uh, in Jack Lusk, who's Paul's Lusk son, actually. Um, very good shooter. So his, he his dad can shoot it a little bit too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in the family blood. Yeah. So, um, so we run tons of drags in transition. So we like to tell our five man if, on a miss, if you're ahead, if you're even or ahead of the ball, sprint to the rim and start sealing. Um, but if you are behind the ball or on a make, we want you trailing in that top of the key spot so we can not stop but flow into a ton of drag screens. And then the other two actions that we like to do a ton of is kind of like Coach Horber. We like to set those single away. We call them wide pins. Mm-hmm. Um where we are five man instead of screening it on the ball, he goes screens the four man opposite of the ball. Um, and there's tons of actions we can do off that, but that's really hard to guard in transition. And then something we started to do towards the end of last year, and we'll do a lot of this year because it's going to start to flow into what we want to do half court wise is setting a lot of those double screens away, which you see all the NBA teams and college teams running nowadays. Um, cause you just have so many options. You can, your corner guy can use the double screen. He can curl a screen and the next guy come off the, the five man screen. Um, just tons of action that I think, uh, would be good for us next year. Yeah. We literally call that, um, our curry action where you set the double and the first cutter curls tight and then yep. the, and then the first screener comes off the second screener. And that's really hard to guard if you've got two kids that can, 
if you've got one good screener and two kids that are good athletes, that's that's hard action to guard. Absolutely. And if if the first guy coming off the double makes the right read, uh, then you set up a nice two man game on a, a side of the floor with nobody else over there, which which can be hard to guard also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got time for one more thing, coach? Absolutely. Awesome. I uh, I got your stuff this morning. And, and I'll be honest, I saw something on the information that you sent me that I about fell over and had a heart attack. Okay. You, you know, and I'm turning 48 here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you are actually okay. And I've never seen a coach say this before. You're okay with parents coming in and watching you practice as long as they give you a heads up beforehand. That's the way I read it. Am I wrong with that? You are a hundred percent accurate. Okay. First of I, yes, all, I, are, are you a little crazy? Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> uh, probably yo, young and dumb. <laughs> what's what's the method to the madness? So I I want this program, especially because it's coming from scratch, from ground zero. I want it to be a program. Not, I mean, it, I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about just an individual player. I want it, I want the whole community to to feel like they have ownership in this thing and and a real uh, uh something that they enjoy to watch as i kind of mentioned mm-hmm. um at the beginning um so i mean kind of like i probably wrote in there like i can't i can't control i mean i can control yes but i playing time is sort of in a game is something that uh i can't guarantee your son's gonna play during the game for some of your some of my players mm-hmm. so if if grandma's in town and she wants to come watch Johnny play, it's come to practice because he's going to play the entire practice. So um, I don't mind parents. I don't mind other coaches. I don't mind students, administration, college coaches. I'm I'm an open book. Um, we have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's open as long as I can know and we can set a seat out for you. I have no problem. Couldn't do it last year, obviously, because of COVID. Uh-huh. Um, we were obviously very limited on who could be in the gym. Um, but this, I have no problem. I want I want parents to be proud of of their kids. Um, I want the kids to to be proud of anybody coming to watch them. Um, I want this thing to be exciting and fun and, yep. and something that everybody enjoys. Yeah, and and let me be clear, I I don't mind. You know, I, I I've got yeah. a great I've got a great group of parents right now. They're, they're right. just they're right, just right. terrific. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we've done and we, we really couldn't do it last, we kind of got to do it somewhat, but not the way that we really wanted to do it. Um, is we, we have a, a parent's practice where we just say, okay, here's, here's the one time everybody can come in. And what, what we've done in the past is we'll have like a brunch, uh, or a breakfast type of thing. Um, and everybody comes in, have some fellowship. Uh, we'll talk about the practice plan. A lot of times we like to do it like the first Saturday of, mm-hmm. of, of the the first week there. Um, it's just a nice kicking off point. Uh, they get to see us doing a lot of teaching uh, during that practice as well. Uh, we're not preparing for a game plan, and they're hearing us talk a whole bunch about what 
the you know opponent XYZ is going to do on Friday night, yep. um, and that's that's something that that we've done. Uh, we've uh, I've also talked with our boys coach about possibly you know doing even expanding that a little bit further, maybe to make it a community thing. Yeah. Um, you know, which would be kind of a fun thing to do as well for the kids. I think so. Um, but I you know. I, I, I don't I I'm not opposed to, to doing it that way, but I was just I, that was that was interesting. I had never I've never heard of that philosophy coming after it from that angle before. So I, yeah. I, I had to ask you that one. Yeah, and it's like even uh, like last year we didn't get to, but like I our middle school teams, like I want their coaches to feel like they can come to practice anytime mm-hmm. they want. I want to be able to pop into their stuff when I when I have the time. Their players can come to games and practices. I want. I want this thing to be a to be an exciting thing to come watch and everybody be proud of. So, yeah. How excited are you for the first real, and I'm talking real, Elkhorn matchup between one of the you know the two of the three schools when you're playing either Elkhorn High or I don't know if you guys are playing Elkhorn South because they're in Class A. Uh, right. But but what's what are you envisioning that being like? Hopefully, if things continue to improve or the COVID protocols remain roughly the same and we're able to have a fairly normal season, knock on wood. Yeah, so last year uh, we played Elkhorn High twice, um, and it was just when we were starting to allow student sections back in within like a, only a certain number of students could come. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like, with, I think it was only like 50, 50 students or something along those lines. And then obviously parents. Um, but it, it was incredible just having 50 Elkhorn High and Elkhorn North students uh, in each section. Um, there's definitely a huge rivalry because um, those kids obviously had gone there previously. Um, so this year, knock on wood, as you said, if, if things are opened up fully still, um, and we get everybody in the community to be able to come to those games. Um, it's it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, should be should be awesome. Uh, Elkhorn's a great community. They support their uh, their kids extremely well, and and uh, you know you're just you're just uh, really fortunate to be in the system that you're in. So absolutely. Yep. Andy King, the head boys basketball coach at Millard North or Millard North Elkhorn North High School. Sorry about go. that. Um, good. Uh, Andy, any any social media you want to plug for yourself or your programs? Yeah, our Elkhorn North uh, basketball Twitter is at Elkhorn North BB. Uh, follow it. We, we we try to we try to do as much as we can on social media. I think that's something that's important to the kids. So uh, yeah, give it a follow. Absolutely, awesome. Uh, well, hey, uh, again, Coach, can't thank you enough. Hope you've enjoyed your your time on a pen and a napkin tonight. Great conversation. I, yeah, appreciate it. It was a blast. Thank, I mean, thank you for all you do on Twitter. I think you do things that coaches at all levels can benefit from, and it's a great follow. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate that. It's it's uh, uh, very humbling to to hear that, and I and I and I take that to heart. Thank you so much. Um, no problem. Uh, hold the line here just a second, if you would, Andy, as we wrap up. Uh, again, we want to thank Cosac Chiropractic for being our founding sponsor. Uh, follow us on Twitter, the aforementioned Twitter handle, at a pen and a napkin for Twitter updates and, and uh, coaching information. Uh, again, download, rate, and review the pod. Uh, the, the last month, uh, September, was the biggest month we've ever had in a pen and a napkin. Um, so can't thank the followers and the listeners enough. Uh, just the downloads and the Twitter views have been off the charts. So thank you guys so much for that. 
Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And check out those a pen and a napkin university videos on a pen and a napkin.com. Or you can email me or you can DM me. However you want to order, just let me know. Uh, again, this has been Andy King, the head uh, boys basketball coach at Elkhorn North High School here in Elkhorn, Nebraska. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.